Hey, my name is Brianna, and you're listening to the FCC Grayson Podcast. God is doing some incredible things here at First Church. To learn more about FCC and maybe plan your visit, head on over to FCCGrayson.com. We hope today's message gives you hope, inspires, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive into today's message. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, everyone. All right. You get closer to the floor, it gets louder as it reverberates back off there, I guess. Uh, well, my name is Ben. Uh, by the grace of God, I am a follower and believer in Jesus Christ. And also, by the grace of God, I am able to be here speaking to you tonight. Um, my main area of struggle is control. And I'm here to talk to you guys about hope tonight. But before I get into uh, this lesson on hope, I kind of want to take a few minutes and tell you just part of my story as to why control is my main area of struggle. When I was 12 years old, back in 1989, my six-year-old sister was diagnosed with cancer. Um, about a year-long battle uh, with liver cancer and several trips to Lexington Hospital, University of Kentucky Hospital. On Valentine's Day of 1990, my sister passed away. She went to be with the Lord. A year and a half later, on Thanksgiving, 1991, on Thanksgiving Day, after playing um, touch football, Nerf football, in the side yard with me and my friends, my father passed away of a massive heart attack at the age of 44. It was during this time of processing that I began to try to control things that weren't mine to control, things that were beyond my ability, my authority, but yet I found myself needing and trying to control things. Like, I took on ownership of my mother's health. I would walk in multiple times during the night just to make sure that she was still breathing because for some reason I had assumed upon myself that I was the one that was responsible for keeping her breathing. Um, in large part, looking back now, I can see that at 13 years old, when my dad had a heart attack, um, we lived way out. Uh, at that point, there were no quick ways to get to our house, and I was the one who initially performed CPR on my father for the first 20 minutes. A uh, 14-year-old boy dealt very, very long and very hard with the guilt of, did I even do that right? Because obviously, at that age, I wasn't trained in CPR. Uh, so I dealt with that for a long time and just found myself spiraling into this place of trying to control things. Uh, and it took a while before I even got to the place to where I um, recognized that control was an issue in my life. Um, and it was one of those things that it wasn't really an overt, um, you know, one of these real visible things to me, but it was an underlying element in every aspect of my life, in every relationship that I had, in everything that I tried to endeavor to do, I found this control seeping in. Um, and one thing that I've learned through this process and continue to learn is that recovery from no matter what your hurt, habit, or hang-up is, recovery is, is dependent upon us embracing our brokenness. And the fact that we are broken vessels every day. And it's not something that we ever really move on from entirely. It's something that we work towards. 
something that through the power of Jesus Christ that we begin to get closer to wholeness day by day, step by step, as we walk with him. And it's easy for us to notice our brokenness when we're in the midst of a hurt, or when we're in the midst of falling, or when we go back into something that we've tried so hard for so long not to go back into. It's easy for us in the moments of our hurts, our habits, or our hang-ups to notice and to recognize that I am a broken individual. Is it not? When we find ourselves in the midst of what we struggle with, we feel so guilty. We're ashamed. And we know that we are absolutely, completely, and totally broken. But how about the times that we're not struggling? What about those days when maybe the hurts, the habits, the hang-ups, they, they aren't so visible to us? How easy is it for us to recognize our brokenness at that point? When it's not right in front of our face, when we're not right in the midst of it, it's not as in the forefront of our thoughts as what it, it is when we're in the midst of it. At least it's not for me. And it kind of gives me this false sense of security that, hey man, maybe I've beaten this thing. Maybe this thing that I've struggled with for so long, this, this underlying issue that seems to lay be below the surface of my life all the time, maybe, just maybe, this is the time. This is the instant. This is the moment that I have won. That I have beaten this, this thing, this hurt, this habit, this hang-up in my life. Because we lose sight of our brokenness when things on the surface seem to be all put together, when things seem to be going well, when these things aren't manifesting in our lives, our brokenness isn't in our view. We kind of put that, we compartmentalize that into the recesses of our minds and our thoughts and our awareness, and our brokenness isn't as evident to us in times when we're not struggling as much. Another thing that I have realized in the process of recovery is that recovery can become discouraging can it Have any of you ever in your process of your recovery become discouraged can I put feet up too I don't, I don't know I don't. almost every time if I'm tracing it back almost every time that I found myself becoming discouraged in this process of recovery it's because my focus has become long-term because I'm looking way down the road and I'm seeing what I've always thought that I should be or I'm seeing what I think that God has called me to be or I see what other people expect me to be and I look at how far away from that that I am and I grow discouraged I grow into guilt and shame and what that sends me doing is spiraling right back down to the thing that hurt that hang up that that habit that got me there in the first place why because in my wiring without Jesus Christ that's my default button you know, that control-alt-delete, return back on whatever I just did, man, hit that thing, and I go back to this default mechanism. Why? Because I become discouraged. Because I look too far down the road. I want to submit to you this evening that recovery is a 24-hour cycle. Recovery is a day-by-day -day process. That's it. When you're recovering from something, when you're battling something, when you're trying to obtain this victory from something, it's a day-by-day -day process. And understanding going into this day, when I rise, I rise as a broken individual. I do my level best each and every day to serve God, but in every instance, every day, I'm broken. 
And I fail and I fall so short of giving God the, 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 the result from my life that he deserves. But you know what? By the grace of God, I go to bed again that night, still in the process of recovering. Now, some days are better than the others. Some days the brokenness isn't quite as evident, isn't quite as painful as what it is other days. But for us to understand that our recovery is a, is a window of 24 hours. And then it resets. 24 hours, and it resets. And see, if we get into that mindset, then that can become discouraging in and of itself. That, this is like Groundhog Day. You know, the Bill, Bill Murray movie? You know, you got Sonny and Cher, I got you, babe, playing on the alarm clock over and over every morning. But that's where Jesus steps in. And Jesus gives us one of the greatest gifts that we can ever imagine. And that's hope. And it's that hope that sustains me through that 24-hour period. Whether it's been a great 24-hour period, or if it's a 24-hour period that I am just scraping myself by, just inching along, just hoping that I don't mess it up any worse than what I already have. It's that hope that's in Jesus Christ. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I want to read you a couple scriptures. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 and 13. And this is Paul writing to the Ephesians, or writing to the church at Corinth. And he is talking about love. And this is the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You hear it at every wedding. You hear it all over the place. And most of the time you hear it out of context. But anyhow, I digress. 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to be reading verses 12 and 13. And this is how Paul wraps up. His, his diatribe on the greatest gift of love. Verse 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly. We, we, we see dimly right now. But then we'll see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide in these gifts, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now understand something. Paul's context in this passage is love, no doubt. But without the love of Christ, there is no hope. And see what happens in our recovery, this 24-hour process, this day-by-day recovery process, we see dimly. We don't see as we're going to see. We see this, this broken, flawed vessel and we fight against that. We war against that. That flesh versus the spirit. But I love this passage because he's given us hope. And what this means is that Christ has promised that he is not going to leave us. And he's not going to forsake us. And that's such a beautiful promise. Because there's so many times that I deserve God to leave me. What I deserve is for him to forsake me, but he hasn't yet. He hasn't done it yet. I've fallen so short of the glory of God, but yet he remains. Why? Because he loves me. He loves you. In the midst of your brokenness, he loves you. And, and, and in the Old Testament, one of the prophets talks about that we are etched into the palm of his hand. This is part of that promise, too, that when we're in Christ, there's nothing that's going to shake you out of his hand. He's not going to drop you. He's not going to let you go. He's not going to release you. He, 
He wants you to be in him. And in him, I am broken, I am flawed, but in him, he is not letting me go. And that is the hope that I have in Jesus Christ. He has gifted us this promise of faith, hope, and love. I, um, I love the passage in the Gospels where Jesus is, is talking to his disciples and he's talking to a group of people. And he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Isn't that an amazing, amazing concept? Talk about a promise. Me, the broken, absolutely broken control issue person that I am who falls so short each and every day God says I go to prepare a place for you because you see the place where God wants us brokenness is not allowed and that's encouraging and I'm going to tell you why because it may not sound encouraging on the surface but where God wants us to be brokenness is not allowed He's gone to prepare a place for us in eternity with God. That <laughs> just gets me happy every time I think about an eternity in the presence of God. But in that presence of God, brokenness isn't allowed. So Christ has gone to prepare a place for us. But guess what? He has given us his Holy Spirit to prepare us for the place. Can I say that again? That he has gone to prepare a place for us, but he's given us his Holy Spirit to prepare us for the place that's good it's good news so think about that for just a moment that as we're walking these 24-hour days one by one in our recovery process that we need to understand that when we step out of reliance on the Holy Spirit that we are no longer allowing ourselves to be prepared for the place but when we walk by the power of God's Holy Spirit that as believers dwells inside of each and every one of us then we are becoming more and more prepared for the place that God has for us I uh, I used to coach middle school uh, basketball girls middle school basketball turned down several NBA teams um, you know that, that wanted my my coaching you know Calipari was calling me wanted me as an assistant actually uh, my coaching expertise really wasn't even applicable on a sixth grade middle school girls level all right so but I remember challenging them each day at practice at the end of practice I would say okay we're going to have practice again tomorrow now, when you come in here tomorrow for 24 hours, for this 24-hour period, I want you to be thinking about one thing, and that's this. How can I be 1% better tomorrow than what I was today? In the next 24 hours, how can I be 1%? It's not a lot to ask. How can I be 1% better tomorrow than what I was today? And see, when we have that type, and I'm not talking about trying to set your goals low. That's not what I'm talking about at all. But I believe that recovery requires realism from us. Recovery requires a realistic view of understanding that we as broken, flawed individuals, we are not going to get this thing fixed overnight. 
And it's not going to happen. We're not just going to go to bed one night and we're going to be a broken, flawed, sinful person and we're going to wake up the next morning and we are going to just be completely and totally fixed. At least that's not been my journey anyhow. But understanding that each day, God's Holy Spirit working in me, preparing me for that place, that is the hope that I cling to. That I know that with Christ, in Him, I'm better than what I used to be. It goes back to that, that old saying that many of us have heard in probably seven, several different iterations of it. But, you know, I, I know that I'm not what I should be, but thank God I ain't what I used to be. Thomas gives me a hard time. He says, you know, whenever you quote someone, you get a lot more southern in eastern Kentucky than what you do when you're just talking normally. So, yes, yeah, I'm not what I used to be, but thank God I ain't what I used to be. Right? But understand that this hope in Jesus Christ helps to prepare us for our eternity with him. Colossians 1.27 talks about him being our hope in glory. Jesus Christ, at the end of this road, at the end of your road, Jesus Christ is the light at the end of that road. Whether that road is a 24-hour road, and it's a broken road, it's a bumpy road, it's one that fill, is filled with potholes and dangers, Jesus Christ is the light at the end of that road. But here's the beautiful part about it is he doesn't just stand at the end of the road as the light. He's not only the light at the end of the road, he's also the light that's with you as you're driving, as you're going down the road. For he is a, he, he's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's Jesus Christ, our hope in glory, and his Holy Spirit that's dwelling in us that is continually developing us and making us into this image that God wants for us, wants us to be when we are dependent upon Him, when we're in Him. And here's, I'm, I'm going to close with this statement and then I'm going to pray. Christ is leading you into wholeness even in the midst of your brokenness. Christ is leading you into wholeness even in the midst of your brokenness. Bow your heads with me if you would. Father, thank you. God, I, I, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> and surely if I began, uh, if I did find a place to start, I wouldn't be able to find a place to end. But just thank you for all that you do for us. God, thank you for hope. Thank you for looking at us broken, flawed, fallible, without hope, and going, I love them so much that I'm going to send my son to die for them. Not only is he going to die, but he's going to be buried. He's going to resurrect. He's going to ascend. And my Holy Spirit is going to go and dwell. And that's how much I love him. That's the hope that I want for them because I have a place prepared for them but I need to prepare them for the place and God it's through your Holy Spirit that that happens so for every voice or every ear that's hearing my voice this evening God I pray that we would lean on the hope
that is Jesus Christ, our hope and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys.